on this edition of the Iowa Business Report. And that means meeting with your businesses, making sure that there's any challenges that they have locally or statewide that you're trying to help them out. Economic development is much different in theory and in practice these days. We'll talk with someone who has seen it evolve from a variety of viewpoints. GovConnect Iowa has announced an expansion of its online offerings. And in our business profile, we'll talk with a medical professional about new technology that helps his patients experience shorter recovery time. This is the Iowa Business Report for the final weekend of September 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Ron Corbett has held a variety of roles, both as an elected official and business leader. These days, he's vice president of economic development at the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance. I spoke with him recently about how the concept of economic development has changed in a relatively short period of time. You have had a hand in economic development from your time in the legislature as the mayor of this city. Well, now this is your focus for the alliance. Talk, if you will, first before we get into what you do these days, but how has that whole process changed over the course of time? Well, it certainly changed when I you know, first graduated from Cornell College back uh, many moons ago in 1983. This was the middle of the farm crisis. And as you know, being a historian yourself, Iowa lost like 300,000 people in that decade of the 80s. And it, it's really taken us almost three decades just to rebuild that population. So early on, economic development was all about you know, job creation, job creation, job creation. And then uh, as, you know, the unemployment rate started to come down and, and generally uh, the economy started to prove, then it was all about wages and wages and wages. Uh, people that uh, followed economic development, uh, you know, would always be critical sometimes of the state of not incentivizing, you know, low-paying jobs. You know, at the time, the the, the, the industry was the telecommunication industry. So we, we don't want to uh, invest in call centers. And now, now economic development is more about the tax base, growing the tax base for the local municipalities and counties because they're, that's important as they derive resources to run and fund uh, local government. And quality of life for the employees has become so different. It used to be, I think, that most folks were looking for advancement, salary benefits, etc. But now, part of economic development is quality of life within a community or a metro area in a way that it wasn't 20 years ago. Well, there's that uh, old cliche, just the basics. And when people think of just the basics uh, from an economic development, they think of land, yeah, you have to have uh, land available for a company to expand or move to. You have to have water. You have to have a sewer. You have to have streets. Those were the basic fundamentals of economic development. But now, as employers are expanding or locating in a community, you certainly need those basics. But workforce is such an important decision on where they're going to expand or locate 
and that workforce is uh, very fluid nowadays. People can move. They're very comfortable moving. Maybe not so much uh, these last couple years from the pandemic, but generally speaking, people are comfortable at moving and so they want to move to communities that have great schools, they have great quality of life, you know, whether that be outdoor recreation, uh, trails, etc. So there, there's more at play now in the economic development game than there was uh, maybe 15, 25 years ago. How much of economic development, this is a question born of ignorance, but I think a lot of people may have an improper perception. How much of what you do is going out and recruiting entities as opposed to somebody making an overture, having already considered this area, and now they just want more details? Well, it's important to know that most of our attention really is on cultivating the local businesses. So think of economic development like a coin. There's two sides of it. There's the heads and there's the tails. On economic development, we probably spend about 80% of our time taking care of our own backyard. And uh, you really have to do that. And that means meeting with your businesses, making sure that there's any challenges that they have locally or statewide that you're trying to help them out, being on the front end of, of making sure that your local business community, those that are currently paying the taxes, currently employing and having the, the payroll, uh, you're taking care of them. At the same time, that other side of the coin then, you have to continue to diversify your economy. So that's bringing in new businesses. Because one, you never know if an existing business will downsize and lay off some people. Unfortunately, we've seen, you know, businesses close down or completely relocate. You know, we saw that as, uh, you know, companies, you know, move to Mexico or, or overseas. So you always have to be focusing on not resting on your laurels, but trying to attract new businesses. And it's a little more challenging because there's more competition. See, when you have a business in your own backyard, it's really hard for them to, you know, be recruited and moved. When you're bringing in a new company, you know, everybody is trying to court that, uh, that company. So we spend about, you know, 25% of our time trying to attract new businesses uh, to our community. Now, that's something that that point right there, the fact that a bulk of your time is spent as you said, taking care of your own backyard, checking with businesses. How are things going? What can we do to make this uh, an environment that is more conducive to success? I'm not sure that too many folks would have thought that that's a big part of the job. But to your point, if you don't take care of home, don't take care of the base, you're not going to be able to bring someone else in to expand. Well, that's correct. And when a company is looking to expand uh, and come into a new area, they want to know if that community is vibrant. You know, what is the status of the local business climate? So as, as we've had successes of getting companies to, to move here, uh, oftentimes when they come, sure, we'll, we'll sell them on, you know, whatever community that they're looking at. Sometimes it's Cedar Rapids. Sometimes it's another community. Uh, you know, we, we represent a, a seven-county area, and uh, so sometimes companies want more of a, a rural setting, uh, but they'll oftentimes want to meet with the local business leaders. And so we've had, you know, roundtable discussions where they, you know, what's it really like doing business in, in, in this community? 
you know, what's the workforce and the work ethic, you know, really like. So it's that those insights that the local business community provides that often is the key selling point for a company to, to come here. And that is no different than in past years. Somebody wants to come into a community, they talk to people. It's no different than if you're just going to move into a new neighborhood for a residence. You want to check out and see how things are. But it seems that especially in this atmosphere, they're going to do their due diligence with regard to the Cedar Rapids metro area but they're also looking at four other areas. And so it's not just a matter of can you satisfy them to be here at a base level. You are competing with other areas of similar size, I presume. Yeah, well, sometimes we wish it was only four locations. Sometimes it's, <laughs> it's hundreds of locations. So oftentimes a, a company will enlist the services of a site selections consultant. And that organization then is really tasked with uh, casting a wide net. And uh, let's say they, they, they've picked a certain region of the country that they want to locate in. And so maybe it could be five or, or six states. And then within those five or six states, there could be 15, 20, you know, various locations that would fit the initial criteria. So, you know, think of it as a funnel, so at the top of the funnel, it's wide so you can get more in it, but eventually comes to that end of that funnel. So our goal is always to try and get in the top of the funnel. And then as we work with the site selections consultants, and oftentimes it's revealed who the company is. Sometimes we have to sign a non-disclosure agreement uh, as part of this process. But as, as the, we get further and further down the funnel, I guess to say it this way, the goal of the site selections consultant is to eliminate companies. And that process then, you know, as it gets lower into that funnel, that's when you have uh, visits. When you have visits from the consultants or company officials that will come to your community. And, and we've hosted, I think, six or seven visits uh, this year with various companies so that, this is when they're in the community really, really kicking the tires. And then it gets down to, uh, you know, the very end. And, you know, you're down to maybe one, two, three locations. And, you know, that's when incentives come into play. What's the local government going to put on the table for potential support, state incentives that also play a role in that final step? Ron Corbett, Vice President of Economic Development at the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance. We spoke in their offices in Cedar Rapids on Tuesday, August 23rd. Still to come, the portal expands and using first-in-the-state technology to offer patients a better result. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The Iowa Secretary of State wants you to get voter ready. The first step is registering to vote. You can do this online, through the mail, or at the polls on Election Day. Second, choose if you want to vote absentee or at the polls. You must request a mailed absentee ballot by 5 p.m. October 24th. Get more information and download your absentee ballot request form at voterready.iowa.gov. Tuesday, November 8th is Election Day. Polls will be open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m. Remember to bring your ID. 
The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. Last November, GovConnect Iowa was launched. It's the state of Iowa's self-service portal to register or renew certain business licenses and permits, file tax returns and reports, make payments, and more. The second rollout of this multi-year effort will occur on November 14th of this year. This will allow taxpayers to make payments and manage corporations, S-corporations, partnerships, and franchise tax accounts all on GovConnect Iowa. Various tax credit application processes will also move to the portal, including several from the State Department of Revenue, the Iowa Utilities Board, and the Iowa Economic Development Authority. And new licenses issued by the Iowa Alcoholic Beverages Division and the Iowa Department of Inspections and Appeals will also now be available there, plus licenses and permits currently via GovConnect Iowa will be updated. The changes are outlined at govconnect.iowa.gov. Coming up, groundbreaking medical technology. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hey, soybean farmers, did you know you have immediate access to amazing benefits courtesy of the soybean checkoff? Go to iasoybeans.com, certify you market at least 250 bushels of soybeans annually, and get instant access to resources benefiting your farm. Are you experiencing farm FOMO, the fear of missing out on making the most of every acre of soybeans you grow? Fear no more. Go to IASoybeans.com and access timely agronomic research, industry news, and exclusive meeting invites courtesy of the Soybean Checkoff. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the annual competitive dashboard report by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In our business profile, we'll introduce you to Dr. David Congdon, founder of the Cedar Valley Center for Skin Cancer, based in Waterloo. This summer, technology developed by Skin Cure Oncology was implemented at Dr. Congdon's clinic, the first in Iowa to utilize the image-guided SRT process. I'm a board-certified ear, nose, and throat doctor, but also a board-certified facial plastic surgeon. And we deal with a lot of skin cancer over the last 20 years on uh, primarily the face, but also the rest of the body. And all the challenges that it takes with taking care of patients with uh, particularly cancers on their nose and ears and things that are hard to fix and repair. And we've been doing that for the last 18, 19 years in the Cedar Valley. And over that course of time, and we've seen such a massive change in so many ways with technology. How has that impacted the work that you do and the services that you're able to offer for your clients, your patients? Well, our options for years and years was just simply, if someone has a skin cancer, it needed to be removed, and we could reconstruct it and make things look rather nice. But that did put the patient through a surgical procedure, and the end results were good. The patients looked, you know, they, they looked great when we were done, but they had to go down that journey of a surgery, particularly for noses and ears. That can be 
that can be quite a long journey sometimes. And now we have a new technology where we don't have to put the patients through that surgical experience and they can get equal or better outcomes with a non-surgical approach, which we are really excited about. The new technology, image-guided SRT, I'll let you explain what all of that means, but this is something that really changes the whole dynamic, does it not, for the patient in terms of what they have to go through. As you said, in the past, you delivered them a very good outcome, but this really assists them and the recovery, correct? Right. So, so a couple of improvements with this technology over surgery. Image guidance SRT is simply using x-ray or light energy to treat cancers on a very superficial level. It, it, we're only going a couple millimeters into the skin. So this isn't like going way deep into their body. It's just treating the surface of the skin where the cancer is. They can have multiple treatments to achieve the result of about a 99% success rate for getting rid of the cancers. The patients like it because when they had a surgical procedure, they had to take a week off. Sometimes they had to take three weeks off. And for our patient population, that's really rough on them. Now the patients can get their treatment in the morning, they're right back out working. And my farm folks love that because, you know, you tell, tell them they got to take three weeks off. That's a non-starter, you know. And so, so this is great for them. And also for difficult areas to treat where it's difficult to get a good cosmetic outcome, this is a better option for certain situations for patients than the surgical option as far as how it looks in the end. It looks better with this treatment and it's non-invasive, which is which is really nice. Now, your center is the first in Iowa to have this particular technology. How did you come to learn about it? And obviously, there are factors that go into adopting any new technology. There's a cost-benefit analysis. Right. So it's been around for a while, the, the, the SRT portion of it, which is the superficial radial therapy. What the image guidance part is, is an, a very fine, high-resolution ultrasound where we can actually see the cancer in the surface of the skin. We're talking one millimeter, two millimeter, three millimeter depth. And based on that depth, we can see not only how deep that cancer is, so we can adjust the treatment, but you can also see the cancer disappearing and going away as you're treating it. So you know that when you're done, the cancer's gone because the ultrasound shows that it's returned to a more normal looking skin. And then there's also um, areas of the body where things don't heal well, where we know that a surgical procedure is going to create uh, a wound that's hard to heal, lower legs, feet, these kind of things. And this is really, really helpful for those circumstances because we're not putting the patient through a traumatic experience. So we have better healing than the surgical option and also oftentimes better cosmetic outcomes as well. And then the thing that patients like the most, again, is they don't have to take any time off of work. What are some of the other technological advances that this is a, an amazing uh, change, it sounds like to me, but what are some of the other things that you've been able to adopt over the course of time that, that has a similar patient outcome? In other words, it allows them a much better experience with the same positive overall results. In our general practice, we, we do a lot more office-based procedures now than we used to. We do balloon sinoplasty in the office where patients will have their office procedure done and have their sciences opened up 
in the morning and then they could return to work the next day. A lot of them do. That's an example of office-based procedures allowing patients to return to work sooner. But as far as all the things I've seen over the last 20 years, this is the biggest change. I mean, this is really significant. There's patients who lost their half of their nose was gone, horrible from a cancer. And I would reconstruct it and three weeks later do another procedure and then they'd have three more weeks off. So that's two months of that patient's life that's been tied up in this reconstruction. And now that patient doesn't have to go through that. And I almost wonder if people notice something, but they're afraid to go to the doctor because of the fear of a surgical procedure and long recovery and everything that you just cited. And of course, it's counterintuitive. It makes it worse. And But I wonder now with news of technology like this, uh, people may say, all right, I really should get in there sooner because the fear of a bad experience is much less. Yeah. So hopefully it will get people in sooner, identify cancers at an earlier stage and always easier to treat things when they're smaller and harder when they're bigger. And some things grow shockingly fast sometimes, you know, so that they, they, it can be kind of scary. Dr. David Congdon of Cedar Valley Center for Skin Cancer in Waterloo. We spoke via Zoom on Thursday, September 21st. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small and medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.